The following is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to Life as a Life Schooler, where we talk about how to merge life with homeschooling. I'm Danielle Papa Giorgio, and today we are talking to Trisha Soderstrom. Trisha lives in the beautiful state of Maryland with her husband and children. She's been married to Scott for 28 years, and together they have four children who are now 23, 20, 17, and 10. Their two oldest have graduated from their homeschool, and they will graduate another one this year. Trisha decided to start a blog after much prodding and nagging, or rather encouraging, from family, friends, and even from people she met along the way who insisted she share her story and experience living with chronic tick-borne diseases. So in January 2015, she began Abounding in Hope with Lyme, where she shares her journey with Lyme, homeschooling, and her deep faith in God. Her whole family was diagnosed with Lyme disease, Bartonella, and Babesia, and a host of other things. You can read more details in the My Story link on her site. The purpose of her blog is to share her experience with Lyme disease in the hopes that it will be encouraging and informative. Lyme disease can be a devastating disease, and Trisha's hope is that the information on her site will help you to be educated so that you can protect yourself and your family or get the help that you need. So welcome, Trisha. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, for those of my listeners who don't know, we actually have a personal knowledge of of Lyme disease ourselves, as my husband has had Lyme disease and suffered from it to varying degrees for the past 18 years. So let's just start out with your story. Tell us um, how this all came about. You were already homeschooling, I believe, when you became sick. So just give us a little background on on what that was like. Okay. Um, Yeah, we had decided to homeschool when our oldest daughter uh, finished up kindergarten. And uh, years later, uh, I was pregnant with my son in 2006. And I apparently got bit by a tick while I was pregnant with him. I began having very strange symptoms. And my doctors kept saying that the cause was because I was pregnant. Uh, But by the time I had had him, I, I knew something was not right. I I was um, very fatigued. I, I'd never heard him at nighttime when he would cry as a newborn, which wow. scared me because I had already had three children, so I knew I should be hearing him. And um, I just couldn't <coughs> stay awake. Um, I was losing a lot of my memories. I uh, had mm. a very difficult time with tasks, uh, like processing tasks for the day, and um, severe pain. And it took about two, a little over two years before I was diagnosed. So during that time, I was going to different specialists and different doctors and different therapies. I, I just felt like I was always in physical therapy of some sort. And I was always like um, like this, I don't know, they, they were always confused by me because mm. I didn't fit the book. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever they would diagnose me with, it never seemed to fit, you know, quite with what they thought it should. And so um, right. they would pass me on to somebody else. But I, I finally um, discovered through a blood test uh, that I had Lyme disease. And then a few years later, I found out that I had some co-infections along with that. Wow. Well, I'm sure in that whole process, I mean, that's just amazing that you 
didn't even hear your newborn crying because I know yeah. as a mom, like that's just not, that's not normal. And you knew that no. wasn't normal. You knew there was something oh, right. wrong because yeah. uh, moms hear their newborns crying. Um, and I know that from personal experience, it can take a long time to get that diagnosis. And a lot of doctors, I know we've talked about this before, there's a lot of politics that's mixed in with Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of reasons why doctors don't like to diagnose that and if any of right. our listeners uh, want to find out more about that you can watch there's a really good documentary that you and I discussed another time called Under Our Skin and that was one that just really helped me to understand all of the the political aspects because I know you know a lot of I think it's becoming more understood among uh, most people you hear of more and more people getting Lyme, being diagno diagnosed with it. So, but there's still sort of this, you have some doctors saying, oh, well, you, you just take an antibiotic for two weeks and then you'll be over it. But that's right. really not the case. So, it's not, no. I mean, because how, how many years did you have it? And I know, like you said, you went through a lot of different treatments during that time. I did. Yeah, I well, it took me two years to be diagnosed. I suspect that I was bit initially in 2006. But sometimes when I look back at my timeline and my um, my history, I believe that I had been infected as a child. But a lot of times our bodies can just handle the infection. Right. Uh, it's usually when a big stress comes along or you get right. sick with something else. And I had I was having a hard time recovering from a really bad case of the flu in 2003. So that was three years before I got bit. Hmm. Um, so I really feel like my immune system was down, and then. Um, the ticks nowadays carry so many more different infections than they used to, mm -hmm. so that makes you even sicker. Um, and, and, you know, it took so long to get diagnosed. My doctors weren't looking for it at that time. That was 10 years ago, you know, 11 right. years ago now. So now, you know, I'm hearing that there's still a really big struggle when people go to the doctor to get a diagnosis, and doctors do not want to give the antibiotics that are needed. Uh, it's a lot longer course than even people would say, you know, some doctors will give 21 days and that's great. But if you have a, a rash or any type of symptoms, you need a lot longer uh, dose of antibiotics for that. Right, right, definitely. So during this time, you know, it took you, you said two years to finally get that diagnosis. And during this time, were you ever tempted to actually quit homeschooling? Because that's, that's a long time to be going from doctor to doctor, and I'm sure you, you had appointments here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> was that, right. I'm sure it was a big temptation for you just to kind of throw in the towel and say, well, this isn't going to work for our, our lives right now. It, it really was. Um, I mean, every day was a struggle. I had to force myself to get out of bed to take care of my children. Um, I had such a hard time remembering things. I had a hard time, you know, thinking, like I said, I would know that I had a list of things to do and I would sit there so just flabbergasted. Like I would just sit there and cry because I had no idea what should I do next. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, calling my husband, telling him, I know that I have to do some things, but I don't know how to go about it. Like I just didn't even know how to implement my day-to-day -day tasks and so he would have to walk me through these things and we were both just really confused because we didn't know what was going on wow um and i and i felt like i was you know i couldn't really care for my kids the way i needed to 
But, um, you know, my husband was just convinced that we needed to keep the kids home and that we would work through this and God would show us what was going on. And he ended up taking over the homeschooling for those two years. He, you know, I, I love the hands-on unit study um, approach where we all worked together and I planned out the lessons and we went to the library and got the books and I just couldn't even do that. So mm-hmm. he ended up purchasing a canned curriculum and it was something that they could do during the day and he would go over it with them when he got home at night and have discussions with them. And they were younger, you know, I had a baby and I think my oldest was 12 at the time. So, um, you know, it, if it weren't for him, I don't, I don't think that we would have gotten through that. So I know that some husbands don't jump in like that, but he really did. He just took over. Wow. That's amazing. And such a blessing. And I mean, that time really tested your resolve to homeschool. The fact mm-hmm. that your husband was so on board and to the point that he was even willing to jump in there and actually help with the homeschooling when he's also trying to support the family and has a full-time job um, is just really such a testament to your conviction to do that and, and to keep them in the home with you. So I just love yeah. that. It's really yep. wonderful. I think he was more convicted than I was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, you know. <laughs> but you know, I think that's so good when you when you have both people that you know you both know you want to go in this direction and you've made that commitment then when one of you is struggling the other one can step in and just really be that one to encourage and to help and that's what we need that's the beauty of a marriage and where you're both headed the same direction and have the same goals and vision yeah absolutely so for those who may be dealing with chronic illness and I'm sure that there's many people listening who may be or who, who may in the future be. Um, what are some things that you would tell them, some considerations about homeschooling while you have chronic illness? Because I think, again, making that commitment beforehand and, and sort of having, having that resolve, and here's my reasons why, really mm-hmm. helps you when you then face these difficult trials it helps right. you to pull through those. So what are some considerations that you would say people need to have? That is my number one thing I tell them, you know, why why do you want to homeschool? What what is your why? Because if you don't have that why, then when it gets hard, you're going to just take them up to the school and put them in. Exactly. Um, if you have the why and you know the why, our why was because we felt convicted by God to, to homeschool our children. We wanted them to Um, be taught God's ways. We wanted, you know, we wanted to be um, the ones who set the example for them and uh, taught them God's word and help them to process the difficulties in life and, um, and give them the opportunities that we felt that, that they needed to be, you know, followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. So the why is like crucial. Um, When I look back at it, I I say, you know, do you have any support at all? Because if you don't have that husband that's going to help you when, you know, you you have a really bad day or you don't have someone that might be able to come pick up your children and take them on a field trip, then it can get really hard for your children um, if they're there with you all the time and you're really, really sick, you know. So they do need to have... They do need to have some time where they can get out, even if it's daddy taking them on the weekends or in the evenings. That's really important. And knowing your state laws, you know, is it 
is it okay in your state to homeschool in a flexible, relaxed way? Because that's what's going to have to happen. You're going to have to lighten up. You're going to have to be um, more flexible in how you homeschool. And, you know, you may not be able to just follow the textbooks because of, um, you know, your energy levels and your time and, you know, how often are you in bed? So those are some things to consider. And then considering the impact on your children, I know that I had at least one child that was very sensitive and she really struggled with seeing me sick. So mm-hmm. that's something that is really important uh, to, if, if you're not going to um, take that time to help them process that and to help them understand that it's okay and you know, just to help them walk through the emotions of that, you know, that I think that's very, right. very important. Definitely. Um, you know, opportunities can come and go, but at certain ages, especially in high school, I think it's really important that our children have opportunities outside of the home, whether it's working or on, in, um, working alongside of somebody else as an apprentice, um, somehow creating those opportunities. And I got to tell you, as a believer, I would pray and God would answer. So mm-hmm. every time I, I knew that there was something that um, would be good for my child or something that I thought uh, would help them to learn something that they were interested in, I would pray for opportunities. I prayed for instruments, you know. Right. <laughs> I prayed for people to teach them lessons, you know, and God always, always provided. So wow. I would not say just because you don't see the opportunities right now, don't homeschool because God will provide those. Right, exactly. Well, it's a faith walk like everything else in our lives. And I think one of the blessings of illness, and I'm sure you could also attest to this, is just how God brings you to that place where Mm -hmm. you can't depend on yourself and your own wisdom and your own resources because it's not there. (laughs) Like physically, it's literally not there. And so you have to completely rely on the Lord and just ask him to guide and to provide and and to to do everything because you're in that position of complete helplessness and complete dependence on God, which is oh, right yeah. where he wants us. If we're talking exactly. about, you know, we're talking about faith here. He wants us to rely on him and not ourselves. And I'm afraid that too often as Christians, first we try to work out the problem and figure everything out on our own. And then we turn to God if we can't figure it out ourselves. It's like, okay, now I need you. But he really wants us to be constantly coming to him and constantly asking for wisdom and direction. And so I really feel that that's in, in our family, that that has been a big blessing because it's kept us in that place where we have to turn to the Lord and really rely on him. And I would say, too, this also applies to the whole the whole aspect of homeschooling. I mean, it's one thing to just homeschool if you have a normal, healthy life. It's a whole different issue. And when you've got chronic illness, and that's what bothers me, is when you hear so many excuses from parents as to why they can't homeschool and why it just mm-hmm. won't work for them. And that's, again, just people leaning on their own wisdom and not really asking the Lord his opinion and then trusting him to provide the patience or the whatever else it is, whatever other reasoning it is, you know, because God will provide. He He does. He grows us through that time, whether we're healthy or not. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole patience thing just makes me laugh because I was probably <laughs> the least patient person. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> when I, I have a big problem with that. <laughs> and God just grows you into that and you learn, Absolutely. you know, to be a better mom and you learn to be patient and you learn how Absolutely. to teach your kids. And, you know, he, he just, he guides you along the entire way. So I, I really, you know, when people ask, you know, what are what would you say to someone if they had chronic illness? I mean, really, it's it's a matter of, are you willing to follow God during right. this time? Because He will do it all. He will provide, you know, there were times when I didn't have support other than my husband for a, lot, for a long time, and um, not even, couldn't even get a ride for my kids, and mm. And God just, he, he ministered to my kids during that time, even mm. if we had to miss out on some things. And it was okay, right. Right. you know, so well, he it all grows, worked out. Yeah, absolutely. He grows our children through these things. I think so often as moms, we're so sensitive to the emotions and, and the, the emotional needs of our children, basically. And that's good. That's how God has wired us and created us. But when he puts us in this position where we can't always meet what we think are those emotional needs or those, those um, you know, the social needs, he, mm-hmm. he will meet them in that time and he will, he will be there for them in that time and grow them in ways that we never could have on our own. Right. And so and I just... for us, yeah, for us with my kids also being sick, that was even more important Mm. because I would always remind them that those lonely, difficult times, the times when, when you've lost your friends and it's just Mm. you and God, that's the time when God meets you in a deeper way. And, you know, those are the times when he can really um, speak clearly to you because you don't have all of that outside noise going on, you know? Exactly. Exactly. It's so true. And just even on not just the emotional needs that our our children have, but also um, I think another aspect with us as moms is that we don't want them to miss out on their childhood. You know, we have all these ideas about, well, I don't want, um, I don't want them to have to do all the laundry or all the dishes or, or whatever, because we want to preserve their childhood and not, well, we don't want to treat them like our slaves, you know? Right. And I think we right. can feel that mom guilt of, oh, I'm just like using them to do all my chores. But oh, yeah. I'm sure that you felt when you were in that position of literally not being able to do anything, I'm sure that there were times when your kids had to step up and do a lot more than you ever would have imagined having them do. And it grows our oh, children. Yeah. In, in it really does. An awesome way. Yeah, my... Um my husband, you know, I just praise him so much. I, I look back on that time and I think I just not, I wouldn't have made it without mm-hmm. him because um, that was the time when my husband set up chore charts, which I should have had done. <laughs> but he said, you know, they're fully capable of, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of the dishes and, um, you know, helping with the laundry and helping with the baby and things like that. So he did. He put together a chart of who was going to do what, when, and he made sure that they did it. And and he was working full time outside the home, you know. Mm. So that that was a huge help for me because I it took my guilt off of me. Right. Um, which I shouldn't have had in the first place. And I was training them. It was just that we would do things together. I would mm-hmm. never say, hey, you know, you're going to do the dishes. We would always do things together. But um, and they, I just felt that they were so young. But then I, I found that they loved 
their time when it was, you know, their turn to do the dishes or their turn to play with the baby or to bring the laundry up. And, hmm. um, you know, they made little aprons and, and they really enjoyed it. So that's I, great. That was a, a good thing for me to see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it is. I was talking to a friend at church yesterday, actually, whose husband is also chronically ill. Um, I don't know that he, he has, he's had a few different diagnosis, diagnoses diagnoses, I guess is how you say the word, um, not Lyme specifically, but, but it's the same situation. Like I just look at their family and it mirrors ours so much. Mm. But one of the things we were, we were talking about this very topic and she was telling me that their son, I believe she said he's 12 now and he has done things. She was sharing with me some of the things he's done around the house just because he has to, because there's no one else. Mm -hmm. And I found the same thing with my oldest son, who's now 16. He does a lot of the physical labor, does a lot of um, cutting the wood for the fireplace. And her son, she was telling me they had a leak under the house and she didn't know what to do. She didn't want to call a plumber because it's like, you know, it's an extra expense. And mm -hmm. her son said, well, I can do it. So he went on YouTube and looked up a video, learned how to fix the pipe. He went under the house, sawed off the pipe. I mean, wow. he's doing this adult job. And you just right. think, wow, the value, the education, the, the life schooling right there that right. he just had to do um, because his father couldn't physically do it. And mm -hmm. I just thought that was really amazing and something that I'm sure he'll always be grateful for just the experiences he's had. I think she said he changed their windows. Also, they needed to replace some windows. Wow. And so, and just, that makes them feel so valued. Oh, too, yeah, the family. absolutely. Every child needs to feel like they are actually valuable to the family that they're contributing. And so I think it's one of those, again, one of those blessings that can come out of chronic illness. Um, you know, something else that we try to do, I'm sure that you didn't get out much on the weekends when when you were feeling so sick like this I mean and I know you I know you didn't because we've been talking about that but right. we would always look at other families and kind of feel this sense of jealousy and it, really when it comes down to sure. it it's like oh man I wish we could go out and go mini golfing on the weekend or go take our kids to the park or all these right. simple things that families really take for granted a lot of times, but we couldn't do that. So one of the things we just decided to do, I don't even know how it came about, I guess just because it's all we really could do, we would do family movie night every Saturday. Right. So I make pizza, homemade pizza, we pop up popcorn, and we'll watch a movie. We've watched the same ones, I think, over and over because there's not all that many great ones to choose from when you're a conservative Christian family. But mm -hmm. um, it's been such an integral part of who the Papa Giorgio family is. That's like, that's what we do. Saturday yes. night is family movie night. And it's so mm -hmm. funny because now we'll get opportunities to go and do something else. You know, maybe me and the kids or if John is up to it, you know, sometimes he can he can manage to go out now. He's a little bit better than he used to be. But the kids will be like, oh, are we missing family movie night? <laughs> and they get so disappointed. So there are things that you can do. There's always that silver lining, no matter what yes. people are going through, that I would just encourage families to also find something that, even if you're sick, you know, mm -hmm. John could lay on the couch and fall asleep even during family movie night, but we were all together as a family. And right. that's what was important to the kids. 
And that is so important. Even, um, you know, we have the same movie night, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And we still do it even though everyone's older and everyone's well. But um, we just (laughs) love that family movie time. Yeah. But um, even during the week, you know, when I was sick, if, if I was well enough to get up and do something different or special, something just to... Um, make it make our home seem like we were a little bit normal. Hmm. Um, I would try to do whether it was a big pancake breakfast or whether it was inviting you know someone over. That was really hard for me. You know, hmm. I was in a lot of pain, but I would I would just really push myself sometimes to do that, and then I I would take the next couple of days off. But yeah, um, just whatever I could do to help my kids seem like they were still you know, having a normal childhood. Hmm. And and that was hard because they were sick a lot of times too and they missed a lot of things. And um, and that influenced our homeschool. So when they were having a good day, you know, rather than make them catch up on all of the work they missed, I would allow them to do things that they would enjoy doing or hmm. spend a little extra time playing their instrument or going out with a friend or, you know. That's great. Um, something that they were interested in that would fill up their love bucket, you know. <laughs> right. That's so important. I mm-hmm. think that's really that's really a, a, a good piece of wisdom for those who are listening is that it's not all about checking the boxes and getting right. all of the required quote-unquote schoolwork done. This is, this is a lifestyle. This is a family. You know, we need to nurture our relationships right. with, with our children. And so I think that's so important to allow them to have their interests. And like you said, when they're having a good day, maybe just let them enjoy the day and, right. and do some fun things like that. So I think that's a really good point to consider. So one thing I read in one of your articles about how um, actually it was in the article where you were giving some of these considerations about if you have a a chronic illness, should you homeschool? One of the things you said was you can homeschool when you're sick, but make sure your children are being nourished in every area of their lives, not just educational bookwork. So that's actually exactly what we're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the whole idea with life schooling. So besides some of those, um, you know, like you just mentioned, some of those times when they would have a good day. I mean, is there anything that you want to expound on with that whole idea of making sure that they're nourished in every area of their lives? Uh, You know, when we were sick, and I think whether the mom or the dad is sick or if the children are sick, you know, I really think that it's so important to spend time talking about what they think about God during that time because Mm. that was one of the things that my kids really struggled with you know if God loves us why are we going through all of this why are we really struggling why can't you know why won't he heal us and so I I feel like that was like really key during um, our homeschooling time during our time that we would study God's word together and it it didn't almost didn't matter how sick I was if I could get out of bed we were in God's word first thing in the morning together mm-hmm. so that was very important because spiritually you know that was really why we were homeschooling right um, and then taking time with each child individually 
you know, getting to know your child, getting to know what their interests are, what they love doing, um, what their thoughts are about certain topics in life as they get older, especially that conversation is so important mm -hmm. about what's going on in the world. And then um, learning about, you, as homeschool moms, we're already learning, you know, what their, their personality types are, what their learning styles are, what their passions are. I think those are very important. And I think that if you're bogged down in book work, you're going to miss a lot of that. Right. So as, you're, if, as you have the freedom to sit with them or to not have to, you know, rush and meet the next deadline, you know, I, I just feel like those are really important things right. to focus on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, and we did a lot together, but I also did, I did individual things with my girls. Sometimes I would schedule their doctor's appointments separately so that we could have that one-on-one -on -one time together. Hmm. Uh, just being creative, you know, I think, and making sure that, um, that you're really keying into your child. Because when you have a chronic illness in the house, sometimes you have your children who will stuff everything and then you have your children who will let it all out, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, so that especially for the child that's stuffing, you really need to help draw, draw that out of them. Right. Um, and then the child that's letting it all out, you kind of need to help them to process, you know, <laughs> and how to stuff some of it. In. <laughs> so it's a balance, you know, but that's Definitely. part of nurturing them um, as a whole person, you know, the spiritually, right. the physically educationally, emotionally. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, it's so crucial, and I, I love that you mentioned that, just the whole spiritual aspect and getting to their hearts, because I really think we're kind of seeing the results in the homeschooling world of what happens when parents don't do that, when it really becomes all about the checklist and, you know, almost this school-at-home approach, because there are there are a lot of very grateful homeschool graduates, but I think now we're seeing this segment that I suspect, and I haven't done a lot of research into who these people are or anything, but I suspect that many of them, it really was more about checking the boxes and sticking to a rigid schedule. And I, I wonder if their parents just didn't take time to really build those those emotional connections and really make sure that they had their children's hearts. Mm. That's the most important thing because you can right. learn anything. If you have a love of learning and you're able to look things up on Google, basically you can right. learn anything, especially nowadays. Absolutely. So, but you can't always easily fix a broken relationship. Right. And so right. I think it's just so important that we understand that. Um, and, and also, I want to talk to you about when you do that and when you give your children freedom to have a good day and just go enjoy the day, I'm sure that you had times when that was a little bit of a fearful thing. Again, we're talking about this faith walk. And how did, how did that work out when, they, when you felt like they were getting behind? I mean, I, I put that in quotes because... It's really just all about what some other people are saying. Each child needs to learn by whatever grade level. But how did that right. work out for you? How did you deal with that, that feeling of the fear of getting behind? Tell us a little bit more about that aspect of things. Okay, so as a type A person, <laughs> recovered, I'll say, because Lyme really helped me through that. But I'm sure. Before that, I was very type A. I was very task-oriented. 
Um, I had a lot of fear about whether or not I was I was competent enough to homeschool, um, if I was messing up my children or not. <laughs> you know, there were those days when I allowed the enemy to convince me that because I was sick, you know, my children would be much better off in public school. Mm-hmm. And so there were those days when I was very fearful and I would look at you know, my list of things that I thought we were supposed to do. And I would tell my husband, you know, we're, we're just failing. And he would say, you know, do our children love God? Mm, (laughs) You know, do they, are they good kids? Are they, are they striving to do the right thing? And, you know, do they have good hearts? Do they love other people? And he said, then we're not failing. So exactly. What's our definition? Me, right. <laughs> of so success. He would remind me of our, of our reasons for homeschooling. And it was mm-hmm. not so that they could get into Yale or Harvard. It was so that they would love and walk with the Lord forever. Amen. So um, when he reminded me of that, sure, you know, I would wrestle with that a little bit. But mm-hmm. I always knew he was right. That was why we were homeschooling. And ultimately... You know, I would just put them in God's hands and pray that, you know, he would do that work in each of them that he had started in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And he promises he who and he promises has that begun a good work will will complete it. Yep, that's great. I know you've mentioned to me before that you also um, had like a child psychologist, I think, help you with knowing where those limits were as far as. Because kids can sometimes um, feel that they're very sick one day and (laughs) maybe they're not quite as sick as as they think they are. Um, And the struggle with figuring out, do I push them harder or do I back off? I'm sure Mm -hmm. that had to be very difficult for you. So tell us just a little bit about that. So my third daughter um, at age seven began manifesting symptoms of anxiety and OCD. And as she got a little bit older, um, it got worse and she started having rage issues and Mm. she could not do school. I mean, we had the most difficult time doing school with her. I think for two years we did online, um, the Amanda Bennett online Mm -hmm. unit studies where we basically went to different countries and studied different countries. And that's, that was our school. That's neat. (laughs) And that was fine. She loved it. And now she wants to be a world traveler. (laughs) But one of the problems I had was, um, some days I knew that she was capable of doing more, but I, I, I had a difficult time knowing, you know, was she really having anxiety and, and trouble focusing because focus was a huge issue. Comprehension was mm-hmm. a hard thing. You know, the brain fog that comes with Lyme. Right. And, and so it was, very, it was very frustrating for me to know when to push it and when to back off and let her, you know, lead the way. Right. So we ended up getting her into um, therapy with a, um, a really wonderful Christian therapist who did cognitive behavioral therapy. And through that, she counseled me. We would have sessions to talk about the things that we were having difficulties with, and I brought up the school issue. And so we put together this chart um, talking about the I don't want to or I really can't do it kind of thing. And it was really kind of neat because my daughter actually admitted the things that she didn't want to do and then the things that she could do, you know, but maybe didn't want to do or the things that she really, really, really couldn't do because of her anxiety. 
And so we kind of use that um, as a like a foundation for when I should push and when I shouldn't that's, and that's or help her with her um, cognitive behavioral therapy. So I, I also use those techniques with my other two kids because they were very sick and sometimes, you know, they were becoming teenagers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, there were times when they just didn't want to do their school, you know. So right. I know that there were times I pushed them when they were really sick and I shouldn't have. And then there were times when I shouldn't, you know, I should have pushed them and I didn't. And, you know, it, I didn't do it perfectly, but I did the best I could, you know, with what Absolutely. I had at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just such a difficult thing to figure out, I'm sure. But I think that it's interesting. You mentioned that your daughter actually was honest with the times that she really could do something but just didn't want to. I think that there's a good point there. When we take away the emotion, you know, you sat down at a time when she wasn't in the middle of going through an emotional um, meltdown, I guess, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Uh, when you take the emotion out of it and you just sit down and logically talk through a problem like that, you can really come to solutions and, and to things that are going to work uh, yes. for you because you're you're not in the midst of the problem. So I think it's good to attack things not during. <laughs> we have right. to 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 figure out ahead of time how are we going to handle it, how, handle this, and what are some techniques and tactics that we can use. So just for any kind of problem, I think that's an important point. Oh, yeah. I think that's just a that's something that parents should be taught ahead of time. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, because some of the things that I learned when I took her to therapy, I thought, you know, every parent should be learning this before <laughs> they have children because they were so helpful. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, definitely. I could see how that would be extremely helpful. Uh, there's a lot of things I wish I knew when I was a young parent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of just learn by the school of hard knocks. Learn the hard way. Yep, exactly. <laughs> So to remind our listeners, once again, the definition of life schooling is the individualized process of discovering your child's God-given gifts and talents through real-life experiences that happen within the context of your family's unique situations and missions. Of course, you and I have been talking about a very unique family situation that you all uh, have been through, but is there any part of that definition that really speaks to you or anything that you want to kind of um, expound on with that definition? Well, I, I believe that that phrase, that sentence is applicable to every parent, whether they have chronic illness or not, or Mm -hmm. whether their child is in public school or homeschooled or in private school. I think that as parents, it's so important for us to really kind of key into our children and to discuss, help them to discover what their God-given gifts and talents are. And that's right. something that we can easily miss if our schedules are too busy, mm-hmm. um, if they're bogged down in busy work uh, with textbooks or uh, just too much homework or whatever it might be. Maybe mm-hmm. the sports are, you know, controlling, because I know there have been times when my son was in sports and, you know, there were just you're out of the house all the time. So it's really hard to really, you know, tune into your child and you can take those times, you know, on car rides and discuss those things. But it's in the day-to-day interaction. uh, I think that we can really see that and we can see what their gifts are, Mm -hmm. giving them different opportunities, uh, whether it's musically or sports or, you know, working 
around the house like that young man did, you mm-hmm. know, with the tools. I think that those are really great opportunities uh, to really see how God made our kids and to remind our kids to show them, help point it out to them because they mm-hmm. may be doing these things but not realize this is a gift from God, you know. Exactly. This is how God made you. Exactly. So that can be an exciting time, you know, as you're showing your kids these things. Right, and calling that out to our children and, and in a sense, giving them that that label. You are, you know, a, a gifted musician or whatever that label may be. There's something very powerful about that coming from a parent. And I know Chris mm-hmm. Davis talks about that in his book, Gifted Finding... Uh, gifted Finding... What's it called? <laughs> One of my favorite books, and I just am drawing a blank. But anyway, the main title is Gifted, and it's not about gifted children in the sense that we think of, but about finding our children's gifts. And then he has one story about how one time they were in the car, like you're talking about, and he was just talking to his sons, and and he looked in the mirror at his son in the back seat, and he said, you know, Seth, you are a gifted whatever. And he was just basically blessing each of his sons by telling them what he saw in them. And that's a powerful thing when we do mm-hmm. that with our children. You know, we don't, we don't easily let go of those labels that, were, that are put on us as a child, whether they're good right. labels or bad labels. There's yeah. a lot of bad labels that get put on children or a lot of labels with very heavy connotations maybe not necessarily a bad label but it's just come to mean a lot of things in our culture um, ADHD or whatever other label it is and those are very very powerful and I I wish that parents would understand that better but this is what we need to be doing is finding those gifts those God-given gifts in our children and using that power of a label to say hey I see this in you and I think we'll be amazed how our children will just will just blossom and thrive when that's oh, yeah. called out and pointed out. Definitely, I um, think you know it's it's true. We just need to really um, maybe sit down and make a list of all mm-hmm. the positive things so that we can remind ourselves because it's so easy right. to say something that we don't think is negative, but they interpret as negative yes and they will hold on to that more than they will hold on to something positive Mm -hmm. so it's almost like you have to have you heard the saying to say you know 10 good things for every negative yes (laughs) I need to do that that that's so true (laughs) yeah it is it's really true it is, and I tend to be a critical person, so, you know, I'm always, I guess it's a perfectionistic tendency. I'm seeing all the little, well, you didn't, you didn't empty the dishwasher again today, or you didn't, you didn't do this chore, or whatever it is, and it's like, oh, I've got to stop. I've got to try to make that a practice to say some positive things, and not to label our children as lazy or as whatever Mm. fill in the blank just because maybe they forget things sometimes or or whatever we need to just leave it at that okay well they've been forgetful lately with this chore we need to be so careful about not labeling them as something but just helping them helping and encouraging and again focusing on the positive and i think it's interesting as we're talking about the gifts that that show up in our children and how that so often happens in our life experience and and particularly in our situations where there's chronic illness 
tell us a little bit about some of your children, because I know that your illness in your family that you all struggled through really had an impact in their futures and what they ended up doing. It really did. Um, my oldest daughter just had such a fascination and a love for the human body and for medicine. And she went and got her certification as a medical assistant. Hmm. Um, and she has plans to go back to school. And she's not sure if she wants to get into cardiology or, you know, where she wants to go. But she does have plans to go deeper with that. And my That's second great. daughter is working with animals as a vet tech. Uh, she always loved animals and bugs uh, when she was little. So that was something that I, I really encouraged, you know, when she was younger. And we spent a lot of time learning about animals. And so that was the first place she wanted to work was at a veterinarian's office. So, And then my third daughter, because of her um, illness with the Lyme disease and how it affected her emotionally, um, she is so passionate about health and nutrition and fitness. And I think she knows more about those things than any, um, fitness instructor I have ever met. Mm. Wow. I <laughs> adult bet. Or young. <laughs> and she's so, so passionate about it. She's constantly helping, um, everyone around her mm. with that, but she's, she's just really great. And she, she's learned how to cook very healthy meals and um, very nutritionally balanced um, uh, diet that she's on. So they all have taken what they had to learn to survive and they have turned it into a passion, you know, for mm. their future. So I, I'm just really excited and I can't wait to see what God does with my third daughter because she'll be graduating this year from high, or high school. So uh, starting, she's already in college doing dual credit, but it'll be neat to see where God takes her with all of that. Definitely. That's so exciting. I'm sure just looking back at your whole journey through homeschooling, you never could have imagined how God would take something that was so dark, such a dark time in your, in your family's lives and just turn it into, you know, beauty from ashes, like the Bible says, mm -hmm. and that right. all of that could come about. And if you hadn't gone through those hard times, what path would your children have taken? Something maybe completely different. So it's just sure. so interesting the way God uses these things for good and for his glory in the end. Yes. Yep. It's amazing. Well, Tricia, this has been such a pleasure to talk to you. And I just love your story. I love how the Lord has used it. And I love that you're now continuing to help others through through something difficult that your family went through. And again, I just want to remind our listeners that you can go to Trisha's site and share with us the URL because I didn't share that earlier. What is the URL okay. for your site? It's aboundinginhopewithlime.com. Okay, so definitely check that out because Trisha has some wonderful wisdom, whether you suffer from Lyme or just any kind of chronic illness, you can learn a lot from her site. And again, I just thank you for being on today, Trisha. Thank you. And that's Life as a Life Schooler. Hope you'll join us next time.